For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Podcast presented by betonline.ag here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. The wait is finally over. Football is back. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. We have been killing it here on the Believe in New York Football Podcast. We had the heat. We've been crunching the Celtics. We know the Lakers are eschewing to get to the finals. So keep tailing, and I mean from game spreads to totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in New York Football Podcast. I am your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez. Be sure to also download, like, rate, and subscribe wherever podcast platforms are available. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Football is Back The Giants on Monday, the Jets on Sunday, and if you didn't know, we have a huge episode coming up. I'm going to dish out my week one winners on this show in Show Me the Money coming up in just a few seconds, but get excited guys. We have an awesome interview with the guys over at Believe in Steelers in Mark Bergen and Ike Taylor. They're joining me and my protégés at Clapback Sports and Murph and the Mage to preview the Giants and the Steelers matchup. But before we get into all that, I'm going to give you guys some picks for this first opening weekend here in week one. So let's just jump right into it. Show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yeah. Louder. Show me the money. That's it, brother. But you got to yell that stuff. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. So welcome to the very first regular season edition of Show Me the Money. We started this segment back during the Super Bowl, and we're going to look to continue our string of wins and our winning record from that time. Uh, we'll continue to crush the NFL. We've been crushing the NBA. Just a little heat check, no pun intended. They won and beat the Bucks 4-1, so we are looking good on that initial bet to get them to the finals and even win the whole thing. The Celtics are trying to complete it. If one of those two teams faces the Lakers in the finals, that's a winner-winner chicken dinner for this show. 
But enough about the NBA. Let's talk about week one. Let's talk about the winners. And, fellas, if you like underdogs, do we have a lot of underdogs for you. I'm going to give you guys six picks, two from one, two from the four o'clock games, a Sunday nighter, and a Monday nighter. And let's begin at one o'clock. And a matchup, the only favorite that I have of these picks and potential winners is in this first matchup. And we got the Seahawks on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to crash on the Seahawks at minus 124 money line. We're not going to touch the points on this one. It's going to be a close game throughout, in my opinion. But with how this game is going to be shaped, I think the advantage is going to go towards that Seahawks defense. I think these matchups, you could really flip a coin on the offenses. And the defense is really going to be the difference. And I think the addition of Jamal Adams, and yes, Todd Gurley is now there for the Atlanta Falcons. And I do think he could have himself a big game against the interior run defense of the Seattle Seahawks. I think the secondary should be able to hold up just enough for them to pull out the win there in Atlanta. So we're going to take the Seahawks minus 124 on the money line. Then we're going to jump on over and hammer. The Green Bay Packers plus 118 at Minnesota. Simply because I think the Vikings defense has been hampered. Uh, especially with the most recent lose of Daniel Hunter going to the IR and potentially missing the season. Now he was a bright spot for that defense. Especially last year. I just think people are riding off the Packers a little too soon. And I think it's worth the shot. The Vikings, if anything, have gotten worse as well themselves. And... Yes, this could be a toss-up, but I'm going to take Rodgers over Cousins. I will put my faith in the hands of Aaron Rodgers to somehow pull out a Week 1 underdog win. Over at 4 p.m., we go from old to new. We're going to bet on the rookie here. We're going to bet on the number one overall pick. Give me Joe Burrow to pick up his first win at home against the Los Angeles Chargers, plus 135. We're going to go money line on all these. We're going to go money line on all these. If you want to do the spread as well, go ahead and do it. I feel confident enough that they should win on the money line. So you should feel even better that they'll win on the point spread. But Bengals plus 135. I like them here against the Chargers that now lost Erwin James. Yes, their corners are very good. And they have a very good pass rush. It'll be an early test. But I don't like these early west to east coast road trips. Now I know Seattle, yes. They're coming from the west to the east coast. But I'm not sold on the idea that with the new quarterback there and Tyrod Taylor, Taylor that they're going to pick up right where they left off, uh, which wasn't really anywhere to begin with. So, yes, the defense is a deciding factor. But don't be surprised if Joe Burrow has himself a game right out of the gates. And uh, I think it's worth the bet. I think that's worth the bet for sure, especially with Joe Mixon and company. A.J. Green might play his first football game in over a year, year and a half. So there's some um, storylines on that offense for the Bengals. That could really surprise some people. I don't think that the Bengals are going to be as bad as some people think. Um, that's at 4 p.m. Then we're going to jump to 4.25 p.m. And I'm hammering the Bucks. The Saints love to lose to the Bucks within the first two weeks of the season. They love to do it, especially when Jameis was there. And so with this team now, yes, the Bucks may be without Mike Evans. He'll be a game-time decision. That's not going to change very much to me. I really like this Bucks defense. They're going to go to New Orleans. 
but do not sleep on Brady in a dome and him putting together a win, uh, coming out of the gate strong with a statement win in New Orleans. I think this game is going to be crucial. This is a game I do recommend maybe taking the spread plus three and a half. It'll be a field goal game, so that might that might be wise. But if you want to go money line for the sake of balling out, plus 148 is the number there. But now let's transition over to the primetime nightcap games. Sunday night football, we're used to the Giants and the Cowboys. But this time around, we're going to get the Cowboys. They're going to go on the road to L.A. And they're going to play the Los Angeles Rams in that brand new stadium. And now, like I said, I don't really like East Coast to West Coast teams. This is a South team going over to the West Coast in L.A. I don't think the travel will play too much a factor. But what I do think is that these two teams will score a shit ton of points. I've heard nothing but fast things in terms of the turf and the new field there in L.A. I know players feel sprung over there. And the Dallas Cowboys is a team with a dinged-up defense and a very explosive offense. The Rams, yes, they have a defense. But aside from Jalen Ramsey and that pass rush, and that pass rush, speaking of, will have a hard time against that Dallas offensive line other than maybe Aaron Donald. Uh, I would not be surprised if this is an absolute shootout down to the wire there, probably like a 35-28 type of game. And I like the over. The over is at 52. I think that's low. I think a lot of these overs is something to watch out for. I'm only going to give you guys one. But I really like that one. The Cowboys were 10-6 and against the over last year. Um... And yeah, I really like the Cowboys and the Rams to score a bunch of points and score against each other to hit that over a 52 on primetime Sunday night. Now, for Monday, no, I am not going to bet on the Giants game. Uh, the line has now gone up. We're looking at 5.5 to 6. It was down to 4.5. Uh, I think the Giants will definitely have their hands full with that defense. I think we're going to put up a better fight than Vegas has given us credit for, but... As much as I think it could be a field goal game, we could very easily lose a one-score game, but that score being a touchdown and that spread covers. So I like the Giants to cover, but uh, that's not going to be the pick here, guys. The pick will be the Denver Broncos money line, plus 117, book it against the Titans. I do not like the idea of the Titans traveling up to the mile high in their first game and putting together a performance to beat the Broncos. You just don't see it. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of rush to shake off here. It is going to be a Monday night game at 10 o'clock at night. I think that body clock is going to mess with the Titans a little bit there. I think they might get caught flat-footed. And with their style of offense, that running game, yes, the Broncos D is a little, little banged up too because of Von Miller, but he wasn't necessarily a force in the running game. So if they can stop that run and contain Derrick Henry a little bit, slow down that offense, I think that offense will do enough uh, for Denver to put points on the board against that Tennessee defense. I know that'd be a shock, but I really like Denver here on Monday night to pull out the upset win at home, uh, maybe even by more than a touchdown against the Tennessee Titans. So what would this all be put together? I think you should bet each of these individually or just a couple that you like, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. But if you want to bet them all just for fun instead of betting them individually, all six teams, a six-leg parlay, $10 would win you $953. So that's nice. I gave you guys a lot of underdogs. If it doesn't hit, hey, heck of a ride. Have a fun week one with it. Don't 
put yourself too much in a bind about it. But I really like the underdogs this weekend. Obviously, we pump out winners here. If you want to bet them individually, so this way if one team loses, we don't kill the entire parlay. That's completely understandable. I uh, bet this thing individually. I didn't really plan for it to be a parlay. But it's always nice to mix it up. And I'll definitely play this for a show parlay for shits and giggles. And we'll see how we do, guys. But take it as is. And let's make some money. But on that note, I'm not going to waste any more time and get you guys ready for this discussion with Ike Taylor, Mark Bergen, Murph, and the Mage. We preview the Steelers versus the Giants on Monday night. And who better to hear it from than the guys over in Believe in Steelers and Clapback Sports. You have a two-time Super Bowl champion in Ike Taylor, Mark Bergen, the host of Believe in Steelers here on the Believe Podcast Network. Then, of course, Murph and the Mage, who have both been frequent guests on this show. So, without further ado, let's get right to it. Here they are, Ike Taylor, Mark Bergen, Murph, and the Mage for the Giants-Steelers preview. So the reason for Murph, the Mage, and Tino on today's show is Clapback Sports is a New York podcast. And let's get this out of the way early. Make your case for why you think that the Giants will upset the Steelers week one on Monday night football. The gloves are coming off and we'll get into it. But make your case for why the Giants could upset the Steelers as a four-point underdog. This ain't going to be easy. I'm going to do my best. (laughs) Uh, as, as a Ben man, I'm going to take them with the four and a half. I'd rather them cover the spread than win outright. I'm just going to come out and say that. But the Giants could win in a certain scenario in my head. They're going to really have to manage this game. Uh, I think the best case scenario for them is to kind of have Jason Garrett's offense work in their favor, control the tempo of the game at the line of scrimmage, run the ball, try to wear that Steelers defense out as much as possible if it's even possible. I mean, they're going to have fresh legs week one, so I don't know how easy that's going to be. But they got to take shots on play action when possible. And I think the best way to do it is if they run the ball through Barkley and keep them on their toes defensively. And they're going to have to get to Big Ben. Uh, I mean, it's simple as that. Uh, Big Ben obviously didn't play a full season last year. He's had his surgery. He's been a little roughed up. But, you know, it's a lot of wait and see. I've heard that it's mixed reports on whether he's short arm, it passes, he's fine. He's a hundred percent. We don't know. I think the best way to find out is have him escape that pocket, get some pressure on him, which is something the giants had trouble doing, but we got our boy Marcus golden all cleared and ready to go. Our top guy from last year. So if he's ready to go, if he's locked and loaded and we can get after him uh, with the guys that we have, if we can make big bet comfortable, they might have a shot to uh, have that offense run a little more fluid, but they're going to need a perfect game to beat the Steelers in my opinion. I can piggyback off Tina a little bit, you know. I'm going to give everybody a fair shake here. It's been a very strange offseason. Um, Big Ben, obviously we know what he's coming back. We have our sophomore quarterback, brand-new coaching staff. So from a Giants side, I think it's going to take a lot of proper communication between Joe Judge, Danny, and the offense to get this thing going. We're going to have our hands full with T.J. Watt from the offensive side. Our rookies are going to get tested very early. I'm not going to say we're out of this thing. I think we can win. I don't know that we will. Obviously, leaning a little bit more Steelers here, but a couple of things that I was thinking about yesterday. I mean, we got to let Danny manage this game and get his all his communication right from the start. You know, he he struggled with that 
a little bit last year and we saw a little bit of a drop off from Eli to, to Danny from uh, pre-snap communication, things like that. Uh, we got to pound the rock. We felt like we didn't pound the rock enough last year with Barkley. Obviously he was a little uh, injured, but let's get the running game going early and often. Like I said, we got to contain TJ and the biggest one for me, and, and Tino said it, is we got to hit Ben early and often. The man hasn't been getting hit for a year. We got to create that chaos at the beginning of the game. Hopefully, I'm hoping that we actually start on defense. That'd be ideal for us, I'm trying to get our defense a little energy to start the game. So stopping the run is going to be huge for us. I feel like we do have the pieces for that, but it's really going to come down to Danny and Big Ben for me. How rusty are these guys and how ready are they to uh, kind of go into 2020? So for me... When it comes down to, and I, I think I share the same sentiment here with Ike, is I think that the Giants' defense kind of benefits from the opposing Steelers' wide receivers. I've said it before, and I know that Mark has mentioned on our show. So, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster is a Robin, not a Batman. He can't be the number one wide receiver on this team. I think he's better off out of a slot, but I think they put pieces around him where he can succeed. Deontay Johnson can take the top off this defense, and you still have James Washington there. So when it comes down to it, I agree with Murph in terms of continuity given the COVID situation. The Steelers still have a pretty damn good defense with Minka Fitzpatrick there. So, And we have a lot of rookies and a lot of new uh, pieces on this offensive line. I don't really see a way that the Giants come out of this with a win. But if they do, it's going to be through Saquon Barkley. I think it's going to be hard for the Giants to win. And the reason why I think it's going to be hard for the Giants to win is because we talking about we haven't talked about two positions, and that's a tight end position. Do I like Ingram? I love Ingram. I love Ingram from the Giants coming out of Ole Miss. You know, when he came out from Ole Miss, I'm like, he's going to be one of the best He's going to be very helpful to the Giants organization, let alone that wide receiver core. But now, you know, that, that wide receiver core kind of mixed up. I don't look at Ingram as a tight end. I look, him, I look at him as a receiver because he has receiver qualities. He's just built like a tight end. I mean, when you come out running the 4-3 in college, there's nothing tight end-ish about it. To beat the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to be hard, but I'm looking at Vance and Ibram. I'm looking at the running game. It's a reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers kept five running backs. Then you want to talk about Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool has been this star everybody's been talking about when it came down to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's a rookie. If you just watch some of Chase Claypool's tape, it's the little things that count. It's the blocking. And, and Coach LeBeau and Randy at the time, now he's the OC, he was the wide receiver coach. Coach LeBeau said, man, it's the more you can do. And the more you can do is, yeah, I know my cornerbacks can cover, but will, are they willing to come up and hit on the run plays? Yeah, I know my receivers like making spectacular catches. I know they like the highlights. I know they want the ESPNs. But are they willing to block? Are they willing to do things you won't get credit for? And that's what Chase Claypool does. As soon as, he, as, soon as I saw his highlights, what popped off to me was his blocking. And that's a want to. You got to want to block somebody, you know? And that helps the running game. So, yeah, I like Saquon and company. I've been liking Saquon. I, like, I worked out with Saquon when he was down here at the Wild Water Sports. I don't think there is nobody who can outwork Saquon, just to throw that out there. But at the same time, now Big Ben has what he had when he was a rookie in the first five, six years of his career. He has a defense now. And if you look on that Pittsburgh Steelers defense, whether they're drafted or whether they came from free agency, they got like eight first-rounders on that defense. And pretty much everybody's in their prime. You know, if you just want to look at it, I think Vince Williams might be one of the oldest 
guys on that defense, and he still go Batman and Robin and Devin Bush. They got Tuit back, and you put Tyson in the middle, he's a first-rounder. Tuit could have been a first-rounder, but Tuit wound up hurting himself at Notre Dame, so they got him in the second round. We all know what Cam can do. Cam is a first-rounder. Then you look at T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt a first-rounder. Then you look at Bud. Bud a first-rounder. Then you go in the middle. It's Devin Bush. Devin Bush a first-rounder. Then you go to Minka on the back end. Minka first-rounder. Even though he wasn't drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, they wind up getting him. Then you go to old Joe Hayton, the veteran. Joe Hayton the first-rounder. I just so feel like at this round. point, Ike is just trying to make Giants Ike, cry. Yeah. No, you're, you're just no, <laughs> really I'm, taking I'm, us down, man. I'm, I'm saying Seven has everything he needs as a quarterback. I think Seven will – I think they will go into the game. And I'm just saying from the Giants on out, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers on the offensive side will go into the game with a game plan. I think Seven after the first quarter would throw that game plan out the window because – he sees everything now going on 15 years and plus in the NFL. So if seven feels like they can run the ball all game, they're going to run the ball all game. If the game plan was passing seven, if, and if seven feel like he's going to run it, he's going to run it. If you feel like the tight end matchups is better at the linebackers of the safety positions, he's going to use his tight ends. If you feel like he can just air it out to Deontay and Juju and Chase and James, that's what he's going to do. If you feel like you just need to hand the ball off and rotate these running backs, that's what they're going to do. I just feel like seven now has everything with a rookie or a first three-year starter has, but he's a veteran guy. He has a defense. He has tight ends. He has a running game. He has receivers. He has an offensive line. And that's hard to get in one package on one team, and everybody is solid at every position. So I don't see the Giants winning this ball game at all. On the flip side of the ball, too, starting left tackle Nate Solder has opted out of the 2020 season. So whether that's T.J. Water, Bud Dupree chasing after Danny Dimes, and then can he beat the Steelers on the outside if you pack the box to try to stop Saquon Barkley? To me, from a defensive standpoint for the Steelers, those are the things that I'm looking at just because, again, a starting left tackle not playing, that puts any team at a huge disadvantage. Mark, to your point, though, that might actually make us better if Solder isn't playing because last year was really, really, really bad. <laughs> no I, confidence in your starting left tackle. That's well, not, that's why that's we not got a good Andrew thing Thomas for now. Yeah, well, now, we got Andrew Thomas for that reason. Um, they were looking at what to do with Solder this year. There, were, there was a lot of talk that maybe Thomas might go to right tackle if Solder was still playing, and they didn't know, and then Solder opted out. kind of made everyone's life easier. You could start the rookie at left tackle. Obviously, you're kind of throwing him to the fire with the Steelers, but again, early test and we'll see. But to Ike's point, you know, I thought it was really interesting that you said the tight ends because that's something for me. I'm a fantasy guy. I'm really looking at for daily fantasy. I like Ebron a lot because the Giants, that's something they've always had issues with. And that's something right. they've gone out and tried to spend money on. They got Blake Martinez now. Blake Martinez's biggest knock is covering tight ends. He's a good run stopper. He can tackle, but he can't really cover. Now, as much as I talked about playing action for the Giants, I think that's something that the Steelers could do very well. Obviously, they have a ton of running backs. So if they get the Giants flat-footed, I mean, that's a whole new regime at the linebacking core. So I think, you know, as much as maybe they won't test those wide receivers as they could, we have Bradbury out there now. Maybe he's going to be on Juju shadowing him. I think you'll see a lot of this game controlled inside that box with the tight ends and that running game. Well, one of the things that the Giants did is the Giants kept a lot of linebackers, and the one thing that these linebackers all have in common is speed. So I think the Giants recognize that deficiency there, Tino, as well. 
But, Ike, I want to ask you a question from a defensive standpoint because when it started out, when we got Patrick Graham and we kind of saw uh, some of the moves that the Giants were making, I anticipated them using a 3-3-5 defense with all that they invested in the defensive side of the ball. Since then, we've kind of lost quite a few, though. We lost uh, DeAndre Baker. Sam Beal's been cut. So what do you think that the Giants' defense is going to look like come Monday night? Do you see them running more of a 3-4 defense with all the linebackers they kept? Do you see a 3-3-5 with Patrick Graham? Yeah, I'm thinking 3-4. And you can use Patrick Graham as a floating linebacker. And I, I made that word up because I coach high school. When I mean by float linebacker is you can put them in different positions depending on the packages you see on offense, or you can lock them up and put them on a certain guy as far as like a game plan. A 3-3-5, that's more college, you know? And the reason why you don't want to run a 3-3-5 is in the NFL, by the end of the day, it still comes down to running the football. And that controls the clock and that controls the game. You don't want six in the box. Six in the box is too easy for offense alignment. You don't want to wear the defense out. That, that'll wear the defense out. The 3-3-5 three, three, is more towards uh, air attack kind of offense. Pittsburgh still, I, I think they can do, I know they can do both, but I think it's a feel for on how the game goes. And I think that's going to all be up on Big Ben. 3-3-5, three, three, I, I stay away from the 3-3-5. Three, three, I think they might go over more hybrid 3-4. Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I thought with the defensive backs that the Giants had in Jabril Peppers and Xavier McKinney, a lot of those or those two safeties could play in the box if necessary. But we're already missing Xavier McKinney for the season. So, yeah, I see them going more of a traditional 3-4-4-3 three, four, four, three defense depending upon the game script. Yeah, I think they'll stay away from the 3-3-5. Three, three, they, they might. They might. Because the 3-4 is also complicated. So I would see more of a 4-3. You use one of the one of the hybrid linebackers, I mean, one of the hybrid safeties as a linebacker in the 4-3. You know, you can put him as an outside linebacker. You know, if you want to, if you want to really go down to it, you can put him as a DN if you want to. And that 3-4 is way more complicated. When you want to talk about personnel-wise, you got to draft guys to fit the 3-4. Um, I think the guys y'all have are more fit for a 4-3. So Ike is almost mimicking what Joe Judge has been telling us all offseason is they're going to tailor to their opponent's strengths. The floating linebacker example is a perfect example. Everything we're talking about right now is the Giants defense, and that is my biggest problem. We don't really have an identity. We don't know where we fit better in a 4-3, a 3-4. So from a defensive standpoint, I mean, the Steelers are just way over. They're overmatching the Giants from a defensive standpoint. And if the Steelers see that, you know, they – Pittsburgh like the offensive line. So it's it's our front, it's our front five or front six, whether they want to go two tight ends versus, you know, y'all front seven. You know, and I know Vance can block. I know Eric Ibram, he can block. So we'll see. They might start off in ace formation. The ace formation is two wide receivers, two tight ends in a in a in a single running back. Or they might just want to use, you know, the other wide guy. You know what I'm saying? And just go fullback, just go smash mouth our formation. So I think Pittsburgh, they're, they're not – they won't be in a hurry to try to air it out. They definitely want to establish the running game. And also, seven, Big Ben, you know, just coming off that injury, I don't think he just want to force feed his arm. You know, I think he want to take his time getting the rhythm. I mean, once he see, sees what he likes from the New York Giants defense, I think he'll take it from there. But I think the first four games, seven to take his time and just get a feel for, one, his arm, two, uh, communication with his receivers. And I think he'll 
trusts his eyes more when it comes down to what he sees on defense, whether it's running or passing the ball. And to Ike's point, too, it's not just the personnel up front to be able to block, but also a stable of running backs as well. James Conner mm-hmm. in a contract season, Anthony McFarland, the draft pick out of Maryland, and then Benny Snell, a second-year player who's still trying to prove himself in this league. Now, I have a question for you both just because I heard how you know loaded this defense is. I obviously know how loaded the defense is, but when you break it down to first-round pick, first-round first round pick you know, over and over again, it makes you really take a step back and be like, all right, you got the name game, you got the talent out there. What I'm curious about, because for me, I felt like this team turned a corner adding Minka. I felt like he was really that game changer for you guys last year. I felt like he kind of quickly became pretty much not only just a playmaker, but really like a leader on this defense, uh, just with the plays he was making in game. For me, I, he seems like the most indisposable. Like you cannot lose Minka for this defense to run the same way that it does. Is that the same feeling for you guys? Do you think Minka is the one guy that you can't lose or is there another guy that you feel like you could lose? No, I'm going to hop in here. I, I think to me that guy is Cam Hayward. They just gave him the huge extension, but everything starts with him up front. And you can't have the other guys on the back end benefit unless you're able to stop the run and get after the quarterback from a pass rush standpoint. And so to me, that all starts with Cam Hayward from a defensive standpoint. The Steelers have great position players at each level of the defense, but to me, He's really that key piece, especially with the loss of Javon Hargrave earlier this offseason. You build your house from the ground up, right? So every defense, regardless of how you want to feel, how good a, a, a corner or a safety is, the foundation is the front line. As good as I want to say I was when I played, I know it started up front with the seven guys up front. Now they have the seven guys of old up front in Pittsburgh. Cam Haywood and Coach Tomlin, gave a statement on Cam and why they paid him the way they paid him. You know, this is third contract. His second contract was 65. He got 75 on his third contract. So it's the reason why. And coach called him Mr. Consistent because he's always consistent. He's never hurt. He's playing 16 games. You know what you're going to get out of Cam. He knows every position. And just playing with Cam, Coach John Mitchell, and I was telling Mark and Mark this a couple of weeks ago, Coach John Mitchell, former defensive line coach, Coach John Mitchell demanded his defensive line to know what the linebackers, the corners, and the safety, to know everybody's position and what they had to do on every call. So pitchers, you got to understand your call and what you got to do, but also know just as well what a safety, what a corner, what an inside and an outside linebacker got to do. Um, that's Cam. Everybody's not built for that. When you want to talk about a leader, that's Cam. When you don't have to worry as a coach off the field, that's Cam. When you want to talk about a family guy, that's Cam. When you want to talk about all pro, that's Cam. Because all pro, I'd rather take all pro on my resume than a pro bowl any day. (laughs) And basically you're telling me I'm the best in the world at my position. So I take that any day. Minka is a benefit from Cam. So Minka is Cam, but he's on the back end. See, Minka is Mr. Consistent. Minka is a blue-collar, hard-working Pittsburgh Steel City guy. In Pittsburgh, we say yins, yinzer. He's a yinzer. And what I mean by yinzer is he's one of them. They got their own slang. They talk a little bit different in Pittsburgh. We say y'all. They say yinzer in Pittsburgh. That's Minka. Coach Tomlin been looking at Kevin Cobra, the GM. They've been looking at Minka for a long time. They just couldn't draft him, so they wind up getting him through, you know, a nice little trade. And that was a good first-round trade. 
Uh, but Minka, when you got a guy like, so at all three, all four positions, picture this. You got a veteran guy, you got somebody special that can make plays at all four positions. At the safety position, you got Minka. At the corner position, you got Joe. At the inside linebacker, you got Devin. At the outside linebacker position, either you got TJ White or Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree had his best year last year. And the inside, you got Cam. Now, Tuit, Tuit made a comment. <laughs> Tuit, made, Tuit made a statement yesterday, said, thanks, Cam. I'm next up, but I'm asking for 100. <laughs> Tua will get Tua will get that hundred if he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, but over the last two years, that's been his downfall by not staying healthy. But at the same time, just to answer your question, it starts with Cam, man. Just to well, put it out there for everyone on the podcast, I am also seeking an hundred million dollar deal. Just so. <laughs> well, question is like, is Mark worth it? Is who is Mark worth a hundred million dollars? Mark? Yeah, Marky Mark. 100%. Yeah? All right. Yeah, if, if, if Mark asks for 100, I got to go for the, two, the 200. Hey, Mark, hold out, man. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's, well, the, what's the slogan? Uh, a rising tide lifts all masts. So I, right? I'm all for that. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty refreshing to hear an NFL vet really talk about building from the inside out because I feel like that's kind of what Dave Gettleman and the Giants have been trying to do over the last couple of years. It hasn't necessarily worked out in their favor, but they're still trying to build with those trenches, starting with Leonard Williams. So Dexter that kind of, and obviously Dexter Lawrence, obviously, um, but you know, the media hypes up the Leo trade. So right. um, that actually kind of leads me to my next point. I saw a tweet yesterday about the uh, Castro being out and then it, in that tweet also saying that you guys are going to have three players on the O-line playing different positions this year. Is there any truth to that? And how's the O-line going to be looking? Um, I think the O-line going to look fine. What you can do to offensive line that's banged up, the same as a young offensive line, which y'all have in, in New York with the Giants, is run the ball. You know, you, you, you don't put them in, in bad – it's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be slow. You're going to get criticized. But how you can help – or start a young quarterback slash offensive lineman is the running. Is the running. Get them in the groove. See, offensive lineman, get, they get in grooves too. As well as a running back dude seeing the holes, taking his time. As well as a quarterback seeing the defense, getting the call in early, taking his time. Offensive lineman, they get in the groove too. And the only way you can get an offensive lineman in the groove is by running the ball. So, yeah, you can switch pieces to that puzzle when you want to talk about the offensive line front. But the only way you can do that is by sticking with the run game. I would say essentially the same thing. Something I have my eye on from the Giants' offensive perspective with Daniel Jones in his second year is the Steelers led the league in sacks last season, and fumbling the ball was something that Daniel Jones did. He had the most lost fumbles in the NFL last season. So that's something I'm looking at in this game. Is, is that something that he can correct when he's facing pressure on Monday night? Well, for me, that's going to be tough because without a real preseason, it's going to be really hard to tell. And I had mentioned something earlier in terms of Big Ben with the first four games. I mean, typically, and I can probably attest to this, but even with a preseason, usually the first four games, you're still getting your feet under you. So it's usually when around week five that the season really starts to pick up, it gets a little more competitive. You kind of see a lot of teams cut down on the penalties and the sloppy play. 
I'm concerned, but I think that we have the right coaching staff around Daniel Jones to correct this. The Giants had that blue and white scrimmage game, and it was televised here in New York. And we got a clip of uh, Daniel Jones going over to Joe Judge on the sideline. Joe Judge said to him, he's like, I like 99% of everything you did. What's the one thing I didn't like? And Daniel Jones said the fumble. This is something that they were hammering home. So I, this is something that the staff is definitely working with Daniel Jones on. But right now, honestly, without any cameras, without being able to really see any game or see Daniel Jones take a hit or how he's going to deal under pressure, it's really hard right now to say whether or not that's going to improve this season. You know, to Daniel Jones' defense, I made this older joke before, but when your left tackle is having a really rough season and a poor play on your blind side, I feel like a lot of those fumbles last year were from behind and a lot of them were stripped. Granted, he has an infamous one where Jamal Adams took it straight out of his hands and scored a touchdown on it. So, you know, there's an overall body of work. But ideally, I think it's going to come down to, like we mentioned before, that rookie left tackle. We got a new right tackle in Cam Fleming, too. If that communication is there when the Steelers can uh, ramp up that defense, it'll make Danny Jones's uh, time in the pocket a lot easier to uh, protect that football or at least make a decision in his head where he could either maybe scramble out check down or throw the ball out of bounds. I felt last year a lot of it was blindside pressure, and especially for a rookie man, that's that's a lot of it, and that's why it got highlighted the way that it did. Well, another point, too, just to piggyback off of Tino is, yeah, we the Giants have Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator and Mark Colombo as the offensive line coach. They have continuity. So Jason Garrett knows what Mark Colombo wants to do with that offensive line, which is going to play into his offensive play calling as well. And I think that's so huge. I think that's underrated when, you know, fans look at it because they look at it from a player perspective, not necessarily a coaching perspective. That, to have that type of continuity is going to do wonders for that offensive line. But the other thing is, too, that Daniel Jones held the ball too long. So it's not just a fumbling, but maybe we might see a quicker release out of him. He might not hold on to it as long as he did, which might also cut down on those fumbles as well. So I think D. Jones got to pick up. He, he has to be more instinctive in the pocket. He got to understand the great, the Drew Brees, the, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, the Big Bears, they just get a feel for the pocket. They get a feel for where pressure is coming from. And that's what he have to do. As much as he doesn't want to step up because he's super athletic, as much as he doesn't want to step up, shuffle, slide side to side, He's going to have to learn how to do that. He's going to have to take a page out of Aaron Rodgers' book because Aaron Rodgers is athletic. He's going to have to take a page out of Tom Brady's book because Tom Brady has great pocket presence, shuffling and sliding in the pocket. And he's going to have to use it. When it's time for him to get away, he's going to have to learn how to get away. Holding the ball to get you hurt. Holding the ball to uh, 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 cause you to create fumbles. I think this year he will be better because he'll – this would be another year under his belt. And I don't think they're going to ask him to do much as far as the passing game. I think with Jason Garrett as the OC, they're going to run first. And everybody know that. Play action pass coming off of that. Other than that, I think the right tackle is more important than the blind side tackle because usually your quarterbacks are right-handed. So just pitching the Vaughn Millers, the TJ Watts, um, if you have a bad right tackle, and as a quarterback, you're throwing to the right side the majority of the time. You're seeing that guy every time. 
the blind side, the, the left tackle, you just got to get a feel for, or you, your communication really got to be with the left tackle because, yeah, he's on the blind side, but it's easier to chip. Usually when chips come, they come on the right side because defensive coordinators want the quarterback to see the pressure coming from the strong side, and that's the right-hand side. So I value, I value my personal opinion, I value the right side better than the left side because usually your quarterbacks are right-handed. When the quarterback sees the pressure, it's a little bit different. If, he, if his instincts can heighten on the left side, which is the blind side, that's pocket presence. For the most part, man, I've always valued the right tackle better than the left tackle. Maybe I could be wrong. I'd just be looking at it from a different perspective because usually the quarterbacks are right-handed. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think also the most interesting part about it is in terms of the Giants offensive line, you know, Cam Fleming starting that right tackle. A lot of people thought they might go younger. They might do this. They might do that. To stick it with Cam Fleming because that's a guy who's coming over. Mark Colombo knows him. He was in the Dallas system. They trust him to get that offense mm -hmm. down. So if you're going to say who has the more question marks on the offensive line, it's going to be that left tackle spot. Whereas the right tackle spot, hopefully it is more valuable because he's going to be the more proven better guy on this team right now in terms of what we got. So, yeah, that's a definitely a completely different perspective to look at it. You mentioned Mark Colombo. Don't forget, he was also with the Patriots before that as well. Yeah, yeah. And clearly the Giants are doing something right because odds makers say that Daniel Jones is the favorite among second-year quarterbacks to win the most games in the 2020 regular season. And he's listed above guys like Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, and Dwayne Haskins too. So there is some optimism for the Giants and Daniel Jones in year two. Uh, as we start to wrap up here on the Believe in Steelers podcast, kind of want to go into predictions for Monday night's games and any keys to the games that you guys think are of the utmost importance when the Steelers take on the Giants. All right, I'll go ahead and be that Giants fan. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, well, actually... I'm going 24-14, but I'm actually going to keep it close for most of the game, and the Steelers pull away late with the run game, and uh, Ben makes some big plays in the second half. I just I think it's going to be sloppy all around, man. Just so much uncertainty with the Giants. I know Seven is Ike's boy, but he's got some rust he's got he's to uh, knock off. And then, you know, that wide receiver core, you guys got the talent there, but it's, it's really where the Steelers are, are going to shuffle in the depth chart. But um, I got to give the edge to the Steelers here. For my Giants, I just need us to show development, show um, that we are going in the right direction. And uh, I'm going to be rooting for them from the first minute of kickoff. But, uh, you know, I got it in the back of my mind what might happen. Well, for me, we started off with, you know, about the fact that defense is going to win games, and I give that edge here to the Steelers. I agree with Murph. I think that it's going to be a sloppy first half. I think that they'll come out. They'll probably produce most of their points in the second half of this game, but I'm predicting a low-scoring one. Unfortunately, I'm going to give it to the Steelers, 17-14. I'll go 23-20. They're going to they're gonna spread. I like that number. It was at five. It went down to four, four and a half. Does that mean someone likes the Giants out there? I know the Giants are the home team. Obviously, that don't, that don't help you very much when there's no fans in the stands. So hopefully, you know, there's some New York factor to it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like them to cover that spread. I think it's going to be similar to what these two guys said. I think maybe more of the points will be scored in the second half, mostly through that run game. I just can't see too much of a hot start. I think maybe a boom play action play. I wouldn't be surprised if either Daniel Jones or Ben Roethlisberger took a shot early 
uh, down the field, maybe to like a Deontay Johnson or a Darius Slayton. Those are probably uh, good first touchdown props just because the running backs will be favored really heavy. But yeah, I, I just don't see, uh, at least in terms of the Giants and what the Steelers want to do, I think they're going to run the ball and that clock will be moving most of the games. So I can't see too many points scored this time around. Why are you smiling so much? Go ahead, I Ike. Just funny. tear us up. Because yeah, we smiling, all picked the bro. Steelers? I'm trying to be realistic. I'm trying nah, to be I get realistic, you. I man. I love it. I love it. I love it, bro. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to go 24-13. Uh, Pittsburgh. And the reason why I'm going 24-13, I think Ben getting hurt was a blessing in disguise for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben never sat that long on the sideline before. Now he saw a young wide receiver staff develop ASAP. DeAndre Johnson, I don't think DeAndre Johnson would have played if Ben would have got hurt. Now you saw what he can do. He's a take-the-top-off-the-roof kind of guy. Well, I'm going to talk about Chase. And we saw what James Washington did last year, you know, between the two second and the third string slash fourth string quarterback. But Chase is going to be the X factor. I think communication-wise, seven talking to guys without playing last year helped him in a, and developed – a better chemistry this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers when you talk about a wide receiving core. Seven having running backs at his disposal that this deep he never had other than that. The tight end position, you can go back to the Heath Miller days. I don't think that they were this deep and that talented now that he have. So I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, are, the defense, I can see them scoring the Giants, scoring seven points, kicking two field goals. Easy. I think the Giants will struggle because I think they will have to rely on Saquon for the majority of this season, period, just, just for the season. I think they will have to rely on Saquon for the season. And I think the Giants will have to get another running back to share the load with Saquon. Just like how Mark Ingram was with the Saints and Alvin Kamara, I think the Giants going to have to go that route to save Saquon and to save the Giants. You're not a fan of Deion Lewis? I like I like Deion Lewis, but I don't like Deion Lewis like that. They need more of a bruise I think Deion, I, I, think, I think Deion Lewis is a more of a, a B plus. With, with, with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, when Mark Ingram was with the Saints, it was A minus and A plus. And, I, and I'm saying A minus Mark Ingram, A plus because Alvin Kamara can come out the backfield as well. It's hard to find that tandem. And we talk about Batman and Robin. The Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, James Conner can be an A, but right now, he has to stay healthy. So right now, you got a lot of Bs on that list. And I'm just looking at the offensive line. I like the offensive line, starting with the Pouncey boy. But I'm thinking 24-13, bro. Pittsburgh Steelers they got too many weapons. And I think Ben getting hurt, sorry, he got hurt, but Ben getting hurt last year really gave him a clear picture on what he needs to do this year. And I don't think Seven wants to air the ball out all the time. I think he understands he's getting up in age. Him handing the ball off, getting out of the stadiums with the W is just as good as him throwing for 400 and coming up with an L. So, Ben going to have his games where he go for the 400. He's going to pick and choose. That's going to be a good feeling. But I think Pittsburgh coming out 24 to 13. I will go Steelers 27-14. 
taking care of the Giants. And I'm looking at Bovada right now. The line has actually moved. The Steelers are now six-point favorites. And so when I was doing show prep, they were four-point favorites. Really kind of depends on what line you get, depending on which odds makers you go through. So at least on Bovada, the Steelers are a six-point favorite. Over-under set at 47.5 points for the Monday night football matchup against the Steelers and Giants. That'll be at 7.15 on Monday, week one action there. Mage, I know you wanted to ask Ike about something before the show. The floor is yours. Yeah, before I get there, I just want to let you know, if the Giants win, I'm going to be in both of your mentions on Twitter, right? <laughs> I so love it. I love just, it. I'll be get ready for I'll it. Be waiting. Yeah, I'll be waiting, though. But, Ike, I, I, I want to kind of ask you a question, Mark, your opinion as well here. But we heard a lot of stuff about Joe Judge this offseason in terms of the way that he practiced, right, making guys run laps, et cetera. One thing that Joe Judge did recently, he talked about having empathy for players, and that's not just doing that just, you know, it's not just words, but it's also actions. So Derek Dillon, uh, his girlfriend or wife, just recently gave birth to their um, child. He was uh, on the practice squad. The Giants made sure they gave him his practice squad check. Then they released him. And they told him, come back next week and we'll re-sign you back to the practice squad so this way he can spend some time with the birth of his child. What do you think? I mean, I, there was a lot of criticism of Joe Judge. I know before we started the podcast, you talked about being a player's coach. What is your opinion? What is your outlook on Joe Judge? And how is that going to affect the player? The criticism that Joe Judge got from other people, I feel is ignorant. And the reason why I feel this ignorant is because during these times, during this pandemic, family really is everything. And for Joe Judge to, to green light, pay a practice squad guy before they release him, tell him he's about to get released. And when you're ready, come back, we still have a job for you. That's what we're missing today in this world a lot is kind people people who understand, genuinely. So that sends a message to the team, like, yeah, NFL football is a business, but damn, I got a coach who's honest, kind, and genuine. And that's what we need, more humans like that. Kind, honest, and genuine. Because coach didn't have to do that. But obviously coach has a good heart for him to green light what just happened. So for somebody to talk bad on what Coach Joe Judge did, I feel like it was just ignorant for somebody too, because as a parent, that's what you instill in your kid. You try to teach your kid to be honest. You try to teach your kid to be kind. You try to teach your kid to be genuine. And for somebody to give Coach some backlash off of that, they don't know any better. So. I just took my head off the coach Joe Judge for doing that because he definitely didn't have to do that. From my perspective, it's as simple as this. Who am I to judge someone who comes from a background as an assistant coach for the New England Patriots? He won three Super Bowl championships, won two national titles in his time at Alabama as well. The most successful people in life don't really care about outside noise or backlash or criticism, they're going to make the decisions that are the right decisions for them, their family, their organizations, and they're going to move forward. 
this is going to be a non-storyline in just a few days. So you might hear some chatter about it now, but for me, it's as simple as look at his pedigree as a head coach. And that's the reason why he's the new head coach of the New York Giants. And so it's as simple as that. You look at his pedigree to where he's gotten to this point in his life. I'm not going to question that. Well, so, that pedi- we, we, we say all the time, Mark, Tom Brady got a lot of assistant coaches jobs. <laughs> We said that we, 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 we said that all the time, but with coach, with coach Joe judge, I think it's a little bit different. And the reason why I think it's a little bit different coming from being a special teams coach, I know a special teams, special team coaches, they know everybody's background. You might as well call them general managers. <laughs> they know everybody's background. Usually the head coach come to the special team coach on cut day or cut week and ask coach, who's one of these guys? Give me five guys who can play multiple positions that you would keep. That's what I do know coming from special team coaches. They, they usually your second GM on the team. But just to hear this story coming from coach Joe Judge and when he got picked and the reason why he got picked as the head coach from the New York Giants was because one, he knew football. Two, he wasn't trying to be like Belichick. He wanted to be Joe Judge. And the reason why a lot of these other assistant coaches fail, they want to be like Belichick. So when you just hear that coming from New England now, the New York Giants, obviously he's super smart, got a good IQ, one. Two, he just want to be Joe Judge. He doesn't want to be a Coach Bill Belichick. Like I hear you too. There's nothing wrong with, you know, climbing on the shoulders of others to help you to get to where you need to go. And it's like I said earlier, a rising tide lifts all masks. That's, that's all I was trying to say there. No, I got you. So real quick from both of you, did the Giants get the coaching hire correct? I think so. I think so. I, I mean, we can say whatever we want to say about the Patriots and Tom and Tom has all these accolades and yes, he is the GOAT. But doing playoffs, they ran the football. They passed the ball when they needed to, but they ran the football. If people could just pay attention to how New England went throughout the playoffs and how they won Super Bowls, they played good defense and they ran the football. It wasn't pass happy. See, they shift automatically. Tom will go crazy during the regular season. He'll pass the ball when he needed to. But for the playoffs, he's turning his back towards the defense and handling that ball off. That's what he's doing. And people still can't figure that out. Coach Belichick been doing this for the longest. Offensive coordinators who played in the New England Patriots, they always think this game is about to be a shootout in the playoffs. I'm going to make sure my quarterback stats are better than Tom Brady's stats. No, you hand the ball off. Just look at They came back from the, from the Falcons, underdogs. They ran the ball more. They ran the ball more than the Falcons in the second half won that Super Bowl. If you just look at this past Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes had an okay Super Bowl. They ran the ball. (laughs) They ran the ball. That's what they did. So what people got to understand, there's nothing cute about running the ball. There's nothing cute about playing good defense. When the New England Patriots played the the Rams, the LA Rams, they ran the ball. Low-scoring game. One of the worst views in Super Bowl history. But I'd rather have six than none running the football. When we was winning Super Bowls, we we ran a, we played good defense and we just ran the ball. Seven seven made plays when it needed to. 
You're talking to well, Giants fans. Yeah, right? dude. You're I, talking I, to Giants I, fans. Dude, I need you to do something so, for us, Ike. I need you to say something to our fans right now. Tell them that running the ball matters and running backs do matter. I need you. I need those words out of your mouth. Obviously, y'all understand football. So what the Giants fans have to understand is when Eli was winning them championships, running the football, good defense. When, when, when y'all was winning them championships, the receivers made plays when they needed to during clutch times. And, and Eli was dropping dimes when he needed to during clutch time. But for the most part, y'all was two, three deep and they're running back, backfield. And y'all was, y'all was lighting the scoreboard up because of that defense was giving y'all the ball back on defense. Y'all was running the four, three, Tampa two, smacking people in the face. And y'all was, y'all was running, and y'all was running the ball. So, I will say this about Eli, because Eli is a homer for me, because we all from the same city. Did nobody want to see Eli when he got to the playoffs? I don't. Y- y- y'all can say, y'all can say what y'all want to say about Eli. Nobody wanted to see Eli in the playoffs. He turned. I love it. He really, he really turned into the Joker. <laughs> Eli, Eli turned into somebody you didn't know in the playoffs. Just ask the Patriots. Ike is just saying music to our ears on so many levels right now. Well, I kind (laughs) of had to after he tore us up for 55 minutes. (laughs) It does mean something coming from a a veteran that has played in the NFL a while. You know, we do have a a narrative out there that Saquon was the wrong pick, but it is what it is. And it's refreshing to hear that an NFL vet knows that running the ball is important and running backs are a huge piece of the, this puzzle. I also like Ike's oh. take that Brady's uh, leaned on that running game in the playoffs because I was waiting to bring this one up. 07, they set the record on the passing touchdowns and everything. Week 17 against the Giants to Randy Moss. I think it was like 40-30 that game. Super Bowl mm. was 17-14. Completely different game. And they had the most touchdown passes. They got Randy Moss. Randy got a touchdown in the Super Bowl, but it was late. Right. It was late. It was a completely different game plan. So you're 100% right on that. And that's something – Everyone always overlooked. I don't know how. And Ike, you always mention how the weather changes, which is you get later and later into the season, it gets cold out and how that contributes as a factor as well. Yeah, you know, <laughs> December, January football, it's crazy. Usually the cold weather teams win with Super Bowls for some reason, you know, because the recipe is play good defense and run and run the ball. You know, that's why fantasy football, you don't have fantasy football during the playoffs because ain't no wide receiver scoring no points. <laughs> you know, the running backs, the running backs going to look good. Basically, they should have a fantasy football <laughs> on defenses and kickers <laughs> when it came down to the playoffs because there will be minimum to none points when you want to talk about playoff football. Ike, I'll yeah. say it for you. His disdain for wide receivers always just cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine that, too. I saw the uh, episode you guys had on with uh, Primetime, too. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that they share a lot of the same sentiments. Yeah, you know, playing football, you got to hate receivers. <laughs> for me, being the Steelers, we hated everybody who didn't want black and gold, literally. Tying it back to the Giants, too. Dion has that famous line, too, right? When uh, the Giants were interviewing him with the NFL draft, and he asked him, he said, where are you picking? And then he said, never mind, I won't be there anyway. So he declined the hey, interview with the Giants. He, he, I call myself one of a kind. He's definitely one of a kind. To, to have that kind of confidence and tell the organization, 
I'm not even going to be there. <laughs> so I'm not even going to sit there and talk to you. <laughs> man, you, you, you had to have some kahunas to do that. Yeah, man. He certainly lived up to expectations. Oh, 100%. But, but by the end of the day, fellas, he's he just a good dude. Mark got an opportunity to sit down with him. And um, he's one of us. Like, he, he's no different than us. Like, we can sit down and chop it up all day. He doesn't care color, creed, religion. He just feel like he one of the boys. If you want to talk football, he want to talk football all day. He just so happened to be a Hall of Fame and a pioneer, one of the guys who changed the game. Yeah, Ike and I, we kind of have a little bit of a friendly competition to see who can book the most amount of guests. Ike, I think I'm, I think I'm in the lead right now, but I don't want to wake a yeah, sleeping giant. I don't want to wake a sleeping no, giant. I'll, I'll let you take the lead. It's just it, everybody I'm trying to get, they got to be Hall of Famers on the show. <laughs> That's a good bar to set, man. Well, I I think I just one up you if I'm not mistaken, but <laughs> <laughs> guys, this has been a pleasure. And go listen to the guys at Clapback Sports. Thank you so much for your time this morning. And football season is here. Gonna go ahead and sign off here for Murph the Mage, Tino Rodriguez, Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.